God's grace, which is that undeserved love, and His mercy, which is that love put into action in your lives, and His peace, which is the result of that love, they are all yours through faith in our Savior. And so I address you today as a a group of Christians on this special day. It's not only a day in which we can continue the journey of Easter, but also a very special day in the journey of the lives of, of these four confirmands. I said before that these young men and women were examined, questions and answers before our service today, and it's always amazing to see the sweat start to drip during the examination. They get kind of nervous, and then they breathe a sigh of relief when it's all done, except it's not. I have a question for you, some important questions today, but we got a whole group of people here, so we can ask them too. It may not seem like this is a theological question, but bear with me. When you guys are packing for a trip, what is it that you need to make sure you have? All right, let me know. Packing for a trip, what do you need to have? Kids, help me out. Clothes are important. Clothes are good. Yes, we want clothes. Usually in a suitcase, duffel bag, or just thrown. Yes. What do you think, Jillian? What do you need? Food and water? Is that what you said, food and water? Food and water, rations. You need something to eat or to drink to keep you going physically. Preferably, we want to avoid severe weather. Toothbrush. Toothbrush. All right. Toothbrush may be important, depending on if you have anyone else traveling with you. Very good. All right. Trip. All hygiene products for the same reasons. Good. So we got clothes, we got hygiene products, we got food and drink. You guys are doing pretty well. Anything else you need to go on a trip? Money helps. Money helps, or at least someone who's going with you that has the money. <laughs> Amen. All right. Yeah. All right. Good. A, ooh, a Bible. That's a very pious thing to say on Confirmation Day. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Never leave home without a Bible or the knowledge of God's Word. Good. Do you realize that you're you're missing the most obvious thing. If you want to go on a trip, what do you need? What's that? A vehicle! You need a way to get from point A to point B. Maps help too. You see, back in the olden days, one of the most common ways to travel so once you have your, your bags packed and your rations and you got your toiletries and you got your money, would be by train or by ship. And they were fueled by something called steam. You would get the fire going and the steam engine would start to generate and it would move you across the ocean or across the country by train. And that's where the whole expression running out of steam would come into play because people would would go on a trip and they'd get in and all of a sudden if the engine wasn't functioning properly, it's because the fire wasn't at a a, a strong enough power or potency and, and you would run out of steam and you don't get from A to B. 
you might know it as running out of gas. You're not going to go too far on your trip if you pack all your bags, you load up your car, and then you turn it on only to find that you're on E. And I want to talk about that today with you as we continue this Easter journey. And my very real question is, are you already running out of steam? I'm going to read to you an incredible account of the third time that Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. It's from John chapter 21. Go ahead and follow along in your worship folder and just ask yourselves, are the disciples running out of steam? And if so, what Jesus does about it. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's the word of our Lord. It's the journey. The journey that we talked about two weeks ago, the journey that starts at the empty tomb, it's the excitement of Easter, it's it's the downtrodden ladies on that first Easter morning walking to the tomb only to find that it was empty. It's the confidence of Peter as he also sees the empty tomb and tries to piece together what possibly could have happened and the knowledge that Christ is risen. But what happens when that exciting journey of Easter 
the day that's full of adrenaline and full of high hopes, the day in which the Christian church throughout the United States and not the world is the most packed than any other day of the year. And people come wondering what this Christ is all about or wondering maybe this is the year that I'm going to go ahead and give Christianity a shot again. And they hear the message, it's time for a journey and there's excitement and they're fired up. But what happens when you start to run out of steam on that journey? Which seems to be the case with the disciples. Let me go ahead and set the scene for you here because the geography being described might not have resonated. You remember Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. That's in the southern part of Israel. He was laid to rest in a tomb just outside the city gates of Jerusalem. And then on that first Easter, remember when when Jesus appeared to his disciples? In that evening, but Thomas wasn't there, they were still hanging out in Jerusalem because they had made the trip to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, but they weren't from there. And so they stayed an extra week trying to process what had happened. Remember, Jesus appeared again the second time, one week after Easter, and Thomas was there. But now it seems that they had returned home. Because we hear about the Sea of Tiberias. It's a name for the Sea of Galilee. It's all the way up north. And the disciples were northerners. They were Galileans. And you hear a lot in this question, or statement rather. Simon Peter told those he was hanging out with, I'm going out to fish. What else is he supposed to do? As Simon Peter returned to his hometown, Yes, he had seen the resurrected Lord. Yes, his heart was on fire. He was excited about the knowledge. And yet, he had seen him twice. But time had now passed and he had returned home. And you almost get the impression that this spiritual journey that he was on, he was starting to run out of steam. And he's saying, and what now? And so what do a bunch of men who were fishermen by trade do? I guess it's back to fishing. And so there he is, Peter, along with Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee. We know them as James and John and two others. They go off to fish. You kind of see in that the resignation that maybe the excitement of the knowledge that Christ had had beat death, either was misfounded because maybe we got fooled, maybe it isn't completely true, or maybe the expectations for how that is going to affect my life, maybe they were set too high. And so now we're back to the same old, same old. And I can't help but wonder if we fall into that trap. Right? You put yourself two weeks ago back on Easter Sunday and you got the Easter lilies out. You got the Easter breakfast fueling you. You got the incredible news of a, of a Savior from sin. The Lord gave us a beautiful day. And the journey started and there was so much optimism. 
My question is, is have you already started to lose the steam, the motivation, the momentum? And if so, that makes you normal. That's a very common thing to happen. It's very common to think 14 days ago we were on a high and now we've settled back in and the journey doesn't quite seem as exciting as it maybe did. And here's the way it shows itself. You start to see the excitement about life dwindle because you're consumed once again, right? You become consumed once again by the, the things that have to happen now. You get consumed once again by the responsibility, the duties, yes, even the challenges of a sinful world. Because Easter didn't take your bills away. That journey still needs to be traveled. Easter did not make your job perfect. Guarantee it. And maybe if on Easter, your kids all got along for a short period of time without arguing, well, you found that it didn't fix all the family dynamics too. And guess what? Your marriage... If it wasn't going swimmingly before Easter, Easter probably didn't just magically fix that either. So what happens when we start to ruin out of steam and we start to say it wasn't there and the daily grind continues to wear on us? Maybe it's this. The journey can continue with a resurrected mind. Which is exactly what Jesus is trying to instill in these fishermen, in his disciples, as they would continue with their daily lives here on earth. They were starting to lose steam, and Jesus does the most amazing thing for them. He performs a miracle that is truly the most important in that it simply puts them into contact with him once again. Did you read through this miracle? Did you hear about it? It it maybe doesn't resonate as one of the most impressive of Jesus' time, but this is what happens. They're fishing all night, which is the common time to fish in northern Galilee. But the true miracle here is that they fished all night and they caught nothing. These are experienced fishermen. And the way they would fish, casting these huge nets, you are guaranteed to at least catch something. It may not be much. It may not be something that's going to make a big payday or give your family a ton to eat. But when you cast those nets in a sea that size, you're going to come up with something. Nothing. Which sets the stage for the rest of the miracle. As this man is giving them advice from the shore, they don't recognize him to be Jesus, and... He says, well, why don't you try the the right side? Do you wonder whether the fishermen are saying, I think I understand better than this person on the shore. I think I've been through this. I know what needs to happen. You wonder if the mind was starting to say, I got it from here. And yet they tried it, and you see the incredible result. So many fish that they couldn't haul them all in. 
which was really just a miracle to point the disciples to the presence of the one who wanted him to know he was there. Because here's the most beautiful part. It's the reaction. You see, if you found like you are, if you find that you are already running out of steam, if you find that the motivation and the incentive and the, the encouragement of Easter is already starting to dwindle, and you're wondering whether this journey is really worth it, I humbly suggest that perhaps the reason for that is that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Or we don't see him for who he truly is. We saw him as, as a, a one-time fix. We saw him as a, a special church holiday. We saw him as a, a one-hit wonder who isn't able to, to make good on all the other promises, but Jesus so patiently appears to his disciples so that they will see him for who he truly is, the resurrected and ongoing resurrected Lord. And so Peter, who perhaps was running out of steam, wondering what does this all mean, listen to his reaction. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water because he couldn't get to him fast enough. He got his steam back. He got his motivation back. He got his excitement back because once again, he had established contact with the one who had victory over death. And not only that, the one who had came back to prove to him that everything in Scripture would come true. You see, if the challenge of the daily grind is taking the wind out of your sails and the journey is not moving well, then it's time for you to go back to Scripture and see a resurrected mind which says the one who lives, that is our Savior, he lives to give you comfort and provide for you even amongst the challenges. You see, the beauty of this account is not that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead or raised Lazarus from the dead. It's not that he walked on water. It's not that he took water and changed it into wine. The beauty of this is that the resurrected Lord allowed them to catch a record number of fish, 153 for the record, so that the disciples would once again put their eyes on him. And then you imagine how that breakfast went? With the disciples full of joy and optimism and hope once again. They didn't all of a sudden leave this sinful world or all the challenges that were around it, but they sat with their Savior and they knew everything was going to be okay. And they left once again motivated to serve him in such beautiful ways. This is Youth Confirmation Sunday, guys. Do you want to know a sad secret? It's not uncommon for youth confirmands to run out of steam pretty fast. It's not uncommon for 
people to hear the truths of the Christian faith, to learn them, to love them, to know their Savior, and then to think, this is the end. And the journey just started to trying to refuel in all the wrong places. And the detour happens, and we take our eyes off our Savior. But not this time, guys. Because you're on the journey, and you now know that even when you're starting to run out of steam, you know where to find your strength, your comfort, and your hope. It's this phrase which sticks out. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord and therefore they had their confidence back in you. You know it is the Lord who is your Savior and you know where to find him. You don't have to have breakfast around an open fire cooking fish and having bread, although that would be fun. But you know where to find the Lord. You know that you found the Lord in your baptism. And you know that you will find the Lord in the Lord's Supper. And you know that you will find the Lord in the truths of his word. You know you will find him And the journey then continues. Through all of the hardships, and yes, there will be some, but also the more glorious occasions that this world will offer. You know where to find the Lord, and you go back to Him, and you know that you're on the journey with Him by your side. And so we don't run out of steam. Despite the daily grind. Because we carry on with our resurrected mind. In just a couple of moments, you'll have the opportunity to confess your faith. And I thank God for that. Because it reminds us all of where to go when we start to feel like our motivation is lagging. Straight back to the one who holds the keys of heaven in his hands, the victorious Lord. May God grant all of us continuation on our journey so that its fulfillment with him in heaven will also come true. Amen. Now may that peace of God which surpasses all of our understanding, may it guide your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.